and welcome to the Negative Positive Podcast, episode 329. I'm your host, Mike Gutterman, coming to you from the Gutterman Cave here in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, that's the solo show. i got a couple of things I want to get to. We have a, uh, I have a, a really good interview coming up, solo show interview coming up with George Griffin from the On the Streets Podcast. And it's, it's a little longer than my usual interviews. I, I tried to keep them about an hour. But me and George got to rambling quite a bit, and it's about an hour and 20-minute long interview. So I'm going to try to get these um, a little bit of listener interaction out of the way first so we can leave plenty of time for, for the interview with George Griffin. So we'll just dive right in here, I guess. So uh, the first is an email from Tom Napier, and uh, he writes us about the, the NPP80s filter challenge. <laughs> and he says, hi, Mike and company. Thanks for the honorable mention in the NPP80s filter challenge challenge. Working my way up to the final 20 contestants was really not expected. I regularly checked for other entries, but came up empty. I think I messed up the hashtag and missed the other submissions. Anyway, who needs a camera strap anyway? (laughs) I have a spot on my film fridge just waiting for an MPP sticker that will be displayed with pride. Halloween is not a big deal here in Australia, but the ghost challenge sounds like a real goer. Anyhow, I think I will uh, go take some cool film photos. Cheers, Tom Napier, and he is in Australia. Uh, well, I did send out uh, the uh, sticker and a button, a negative positive sticker and button to Mr. Tom Napier for participating in that challenge. And uh, again, the winners I announced on uh, the last episode, we are all three of us, uh, Andre, Roxanne, and I announced on the last episode. If you were a big wiener, uh, definitely get in contact with me. Uh, and so I can get your uh, your camera strap and uh, and goodies out in the mail to you for being one of the, the three finalists in that uh, <laughs> in that uh, somewhat ill-fated challenge. And also, uh, hey, if you if you just participated and you have the hashtag and you have Instagram photos of your of your work up there, if you participated in the challenge, I want to make sure everybody that participated gets a negative positive sticker and button in the mail as well. So if you did either one of those things, if you're in either one of those groups of people, uh, please uh, hit me up. Uh, send me an email at negpositives at gmail.com or you can hit me up through Facebook uh, Messenger or Instagram direct messaging uh, and uh, and give me your address so I can get, get your goodies out in the mail. So uh, congratulations to those that won and congratulations to everyone that just participated because not very many people did. <laughs> so, uh, But hey, we have started the ghost photo challenge, the NPP ghost photo challenge. And uh, I think the hashtag on that is NPP ghost photo uh, but uh, we're not doing that on Instagram. We're doing it on the Facebook group, the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group. I have a uh, an announcement in the announcement section on that group. It's at the very top of the page. So when you go to the, that Facebook group, if you look at the top of the page at the announcements, you'll see where I have where you put your submissions in for uh, your ghost photos. And we already got quite a few. So this one's already taken off way more than the the 80s filter challenge has and, and some, some really creepy photos there. So check those out. And if you have any creepy photos, uh, put those there. Uh, we're looking for about two submissions from each uh, each person, and then uh, uh, and if you haven't, if you don't have any creepy photos, uh, take some creepy photos. Uh, you know, double exposures, anything that looks like a, a fake ghost picture or even a real ghost picture or anything just creepy. That's kind of what we're looking for on this one. And we got some good submissions so far, so I'm, I'm more I'm very excited that this one this uh, this contest seems to be or, or not really a contest. This challenge seems to be taking off, and we have a, a really cool prize package that uh, we're giving away for uh, the the big wiener. And that challenge that we announced on the last episode, uh, uh, we, went, we just had a show with all the hosts here. Uh, so go back and listen to uh, episode 328 to find out more about that and what you might win 
if you do uh, the ghost challenge. So, uh, but huge thanks uh, to everyone that did it. Uh, the the uh, the 80s challenge and Tom, uh, I did send uh, Tom Napier. I did send your uh, your button and and sticker out, and it's going all the way to Australia. Fingers crossed it gets there. Uh, the postal service is. Uh, having a bit of bit of a <laughs> bit of strife right now so maybe you'll get it by uh, I don't know by the, by the time the 400th episode hits uh, <laughs> so hopefully you get it sooner than that uh, okay uh, so that's really it I don't really have any other uh, emails or anything else so uh, we're gonna go ahead and dive right on into uh, this uh, interview with mr. George Griffin uh, from the on the streets podcast and uh, so yeah if you're not checking out his podcast you should uh, but let's go ahead and uh, listen to my solo show interview with Mr. George Griffin. Right, folks so you know i've been doing this a lot lately and my, my time off during this uh isolation period of the corona coronavirus uh covid19 everything and what we've been dealing with and so i've got quite a few of these stockpiled but i had an opportunity here to uh, take a little trip uh back to the uk and uh, talk to mr george griffin and uh I, I will make the little disclaimer here we are recording this uh, uh very late night for me and early early morning for george and uh, this is may 16th when we're recording this so anything we talk about uh just know that the time context here is that it is may 16th uh when we're talking even if this doesn't air till like august or something like that but just letting y'all know uh, that's kind of a, a little little time disclaimer in case uh something doesn't make sense but i think we'll be fine uh so anyhow it is george griffin from uh you know the uh the host of the on the streets podcast and uh so george how you doing tonight or this morning? Uh, <laughs> yeah, this morning. Yeah, I'm I'm really well. Thanks, Mike. Mm. Well, it's very good to chat with you, man. I've I've really enjoyed your podcast, and uh, uh, and it's just uh, you're doing a fine job with it. And uh, but I think the, the first oh, you're very welcome. And uh, I think the the first thing we need to get into is uh, since this is your first time on negative positives, you know, we got to start off with the standard question. You know, uh, how did how did you get into photography, George? So just kind of kind of give people a little background on that, and 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 how it landed you to where you are now. Well, um, I, my first real um, uh, foray into film photography was w when I was a kid. I was um, 10 going on 11, mm -hmm. and um, I was in primary school. So, that you know, that's like um, your last oh, – or your, just before you go into high school. Right, okay. And, uh, thing. and the school that I was at, they'd done a trip to down to Cornwall. And um, an aunt of mine gave me an old uh, box, uh, not box brownie, a brownie Cresta. So it's a okay. little, you know, weird looking brownie camera, took 120 film to um, shoot pictures while I was um, down there. And as far as I remember from the pictures that, that, that I've still got, it, it was, I went for a week and I only had one roll. So obviously 12 images. So right. that was the first time that I actually remember um, having and using a camera. Was and, this uh, was this one of those plasticky sort of uh, Kodak brownies? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, uh, and it actually shot 120. So that, that's that was fortunate because um, it seems like a lot of those shoot 620 or whatever, which you know you can kind of make work. But uh, one, yeah. I feel like I've seen like I've watched uh, eBay auctions quite a bit looking up old Kodak box cameras and stuff. And I feel like, I feel like there was a lot of models in the UK that we didn't have in the U S uh, I feel like, I guess Kodak was making some cameras in the UK and like, cause I see some that, that, you know, were made in the UK or whatever, and I've never seen them here in the U S. And, uh, so I guess they, they must've had some sp- specific models for you, for you all that they didn't have here. So yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. I think they did. Mm-hmm. And I think and so, it's crazy. Some of them- some of them look Sorry. very cool too. No, some of them look very cool too. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Cresta was just basically, you know, um, a box with a shutter on the front, mm-hmm. no, n- nothing um, special and uh, mm-hmm. thing. But yeah, I, so I remember, I remember having that and shooting with that. And then uh, when I went to secondary school, which um, sort of like from eleven to sixteen, um, okay. they they had um, photography department. And mm. this is all, you know, I'm talking about this. This is all film and darkroom stuff. Mm. And then that all came under um, the term of physics. So, I, oh, I really? Just, yeah, the, <laughs> wow. the, that was air physics department was sort of like air photography department as well. So it, oh, okay. it, it all came under that. So I was doing that in school as well. And from then, it just, you know, just basically continued that the, the Schools were pretty well funded back then, and uh, mm-hmm. people people will probably say they they weren't, but um, you you were <laughs> able now, to, yeah, really but <laughs> but you were able to take out cameras, and then obviously the first uh, SLR that I ever used was the old Zenit E, which I think every everyone's used at some point in their life. <laughs> I've actually never had one, but I, I guess I think those were probably probably like I don't know. Uh, I guess in 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 Europe uh, they were probably like uh, just all over the place, right? Like I feel like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. My, you, you'd see people walking around with them, but but they'd all, everyone who walked around with them and had them on the neck strap always had a bowed head because they were so heavy. They the <laughs> weight of them would just pull your head down to the ground all the time. Right. I mean, but they 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 were built like tanks, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean that that. But like I say, mo- most SLRs, you know. The, they're still surviving 30, 40, 50 years on. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it shows you that, that back then, you know, not made of plastic and stuff was um, was the way to go. Right, right. Yeah, and so so from then, you know, I used to do photography at school, um, darkroom development, and just basically continued on, you know, family snaps. Um, when I was 18, I got... Um, an Olympus OM10 for my birthday. Oh wow! And that was that was and still is um, my go-to camera. Um, I've oh, very still cool. got, I've got I've still got the same camera. Like you know, forty years later. Wow! And, um, still works. Still, yeah, still works. It's uh, cool. like I say, it's my go-to camera, and um, I use that most of the time if I'm shooting SLR and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used it. I used to go hiking, so I'd take that hiking with me. Um, you know, do some landscape photography with that, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. So then that that's basically it. I, I've always um, done photography. Mm. And so, did you? Now, what happened? Uh, you know, I guess uh, later in your life when uh, the um, digital thing started happening did you ever embrace it did you get into it or did you, did you have a time you left film or did you always just stick with it when digital first came out i, I it, it it interested me but mm-hmm. 
looking at the uh, cameras and especially sort of like the the low end stuff, the stuff that I could afford. Right. I was I was never particularly impressed with you know the. I it's I don't know. It's a bit probably a bit cliche, but I was never impressed with the megapixel megapixels of them. Right. You know, right. sort of like a one two megapixel camera, which you know probably back then was I don't know three four hundred pound, and we're talking oh, yeah. about compacts mm-hmm. um i was never impressed with them so i you know I, I shot film up until um i think about 2006 2007 um that's about, that's about when i did yeah yeah that's about when i kind of uh, got me a nice digital slr around that time and uh because they had gotten uh, i think at that point they were getting around digital slrs were around I don't know, eight to 10 megapixels, something like that. I'm thinking. Yeah. And, and they were finally good enough to like really print it like eight by 10 and stuff like that. And, and, and they'd gotten also like uh cheap enough to where you could justify it. It's like, well, this is going to save me a ton of money on film and all this stuff or whatever. So yeah, I can, I can make this. I can. And that's, that's about the time I left. And, and plus things are starting to get starting to, it didn't, it got worse, but things are starting to get a little bleak for film at the time too. And I was like, huh, well, maybe I better get on this train. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how I felt. Cause uh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, um, my youngest daughter, um, she was born in 2000 and I remember shooting her on film, you know, right up until she was probably five, six, you know, um, mm-hmm. thing. And I'd like to say, it was just, it just, it was getting the, uh, I don't know whether you had it in the um, US, but here in the UK, uh, we'd normally take air film to a, a, a chemist pharmacy. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Same here. Yeah, we drugstores. Yeah, that's kind of yeah, that was kind of yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, they had well, it wasn't them, but it was the, the the manufacturers that done the processing. When you took a film in, had it processed, got your negatives and your prints back, normally you get a free roll of film as well. Oh, okay. So, so it it was a cheap old film. I mean, the, yeah. I I think they called it like Colorama. So it was probably <laughs> something like the Vista One Hundred or Vista Two Hundred film right. that people sort of lust after nowadays. And um, so you, you get this back. So there was never. I, I never found film, or back then I never found film to be expensive because you were always getting this free roll. And it okay, was only yeah. it, it was only if you wanted a particular film stock but then again i i was never really into oh i've got to shoot this particular film stock or i've got to shoot that if i wanted to shoot black and white i just go and buy, buy hp5 mm-hmm. and if i was shooting color i just use whatever came from the chemist so that you know that was it so that that's how most of my um negatives and prints were were always done if so you if you if you get a hold of that Colorama film right now, you could probably sell it for big money on eBay as like a, a very Lomo style film, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that that that's the thing. You know, once once sort of Lomo came into the picture, everything that was class, you know, that weed class as you know just normal, right. became you know Lomo vintage stuff. I mean, I, I've right. got a I've got a little um, Olympus XA three, and mm-hmm. it's it's a brilliant little camera, mm-hmm. um, but people say oh it's a toy camera and it's like no it's not a toy camera it's a good you know it's a good little compact if you want to carry a little compact around in your pocket all the time it's a great little camera for that and that you know i mean i think i bought that back in about i don't know uh, the night early 90s when it it first when when that particular model first came out Mm -hmm. and i shot a ton with that as well you know I remember when uh, when Lomo was really getting big, and a friend of mine is like, 
He was like, hey, man, have you checked out this Lomography thing, this whole Lomography movement that's going on in, in photography? I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he's like, well, yeah, it's all built around this camera called the LCA. You need to get you one of those, man. It, it, it would suit your style just perfect. And uh, and uh, so I look up Lomo LCAs, and at that time, they were crazy expensive because mm -hmm. of, you know, and and so then you start, so I'm like, okay, what's alternatives to the Lomo LCA? And a lot of people mentioned the 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 Olympus XA series. Like, like that was... Uh, like they were going to give you the same look, but to me, so I bought, like, I think I had an XA two, I believe it was. And I bought it. I was like, well, this is too good. This is not, this is not, <laughs> I'm not seeing any Lomo style photos out of this camera. This camera's too good. <laughs> and so, yeah. yeah, it did. It, it, it did. It was kind of weird how they, a lot of people went to the XAs, uh, thinking that, uh, that that would be, uh, a, a good alternative to the LCA. And I just, uh, I, to me, they're, 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 they're just better cameras. So. Yeah. Well, well, you know, I, like you say, when the Lomography thing took off, I, I, same as you, I had people saying about the, the LCA and I thought, well, I'll have a look at that camera and see mm -hmm. what, what it looks like. And when I looked at it, I thought, do you know what? It, it's no better than my XA3. So mm -hmm. I, I'll just stick with my XA3. It's, uh, you know, it's a great little camera. And I, I've got to admit, I mean, like you with your Pentaxes, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm a I'm an Olympus fanboy. Right. Um, you know, cause I, like I say, I got I got my OM10. Um, I love the glass that comes. You know, if you if you buy genuine uh, Zuko lens lenses, oh, yeah. they're, they're great lenses. And and the the 35 mil on the XAs, they're they're, they're brilliant um, glass. You know, for, for a small for a small camera, you you get great images from them. They had a designer. I, I can't remember his name, uh, but they had a designer that, like, I mean, I think Olympus probably excelled at compact cameras more than any other manufacturer as far as like uh, making like um, a big um, like in, uh, innovations in in compact cameras. And I know they had like a, a designer that was. I think he was famous for, you know, uh, designing the XA series or whatever. And yeah. like uh, just to get that lens as sharp as they got that lens in such a small camera was was really a feat back at that at that time. And uh, uh, I just think Olympus probably was uh, kind of the leader as far as like uh, just innovation in small cameras or compact cameras. Yeah, I think they were. And I, and I, to be honest, and I think also when the, um, you know, that they've always continued that and even into digital mm -hmm. when they... Um, the mirrorless cameras started to come out. I think they were they were the forerunner and they were the yeah, leader. Because I mean, they're, they're, with the mirrorless cameras. Yeah. I mean, I know Fuji has taken over now with their um, XT or whatever series yeah. of cameras. I mean, I know people um, kind of lust after them for that. You know, if you're after a digital camera. Mm -hmm. I remember my, my first digital SLR. Uh, surprisingly, was not a Pentax. It was an Olympus. It was an Olympus. Uh, Oh, it's a Evolt E something, and uh, right. it was it was a weird looking camera. I think it was eight megapixels, and uh, I bought it because uh, it came with like the two lenses that covered the entire range, and it was it wasn't micro four thirds. This is when it was just called four thirds, and yep. uh, yeah, and that was my first digital camera. And I actually did like some paid shoots with that camera, and uh, actually made some money <laughs> shooting that camera. And uh, I think my my next digital camera after that was a Pentax, but. Uh, but yeah, that it was, and now that, but they've stuck to their guns, man. Like they're still like, you know, they're committed to micro four thirds. And, uh, yeah. and I think it's, I think it's actually smart of them, man. It's a different, it's a different segment. Uh, they kind of 
have the lockdown on it sort of a little bit. And it's like, you know, and, and, and they're fine cameras. And, and for certain types of photography, I think um, uh, the, the micro four third system that makes a lot of sense. So a lot of people question like how much longer they can continue to be in the game. But I think they kind of have like their own little shtick, you know, in the, in the market, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, a friend of mine who bought um, one of the early um, models of the Olympus, because it, that, that, you know, they brought out their, micro th- four thirds or whatever they were calling it at the time mm-hmm. and that they 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 brought it out and it was it was modeled basically on the uh, on the om1s and om10s and mm-hmm. you know that series uh, of cameras and w- when i dug my uh, film camera out and met up with her and said look and she went oh is that a digital camera i went no that's my film camera <laughs> I, I said but look it's exactly the same thing so they've always right. you know they, they it's the styling of it as well you know yeah. and they are i mean I've got to be honest. I'm not. I, I've never shot a Pentax, so I don't know what you know what they're like or anything. But oh, you know what what size they are, mm-hmm. and that. But my 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 Olympus OM10 is you know it it it's the closest you can get to other than the the, the that weird little Pentax one you know the that takes one ten film that's an SLR that's got right, the, right, it's right. the it, it's the closest you can get to a compact SLR mm-hmm. you know that that was that was more you know. It'll fit in a big pocket. Sure. Yeah. Well, and Olympus, that's another thing that they innovated on because they were like the first to really bring out uh, really small SLRs. And that is actually what what prompted Pentax to uh, uh, Pentax was at the time was pushing the K series, the K1000, KX Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But when Olympus came out with the OMs and, and how small they were or whatever, that's when Pentax went to the M series and made a much, much smaller SLR to compete with them. So, I mean, they ah, right. Olympus, Olympus again uh, kind of did innovate uh, the, the small SLR market. And I, there is something nice about that. I have uh, several M series uh, Pentax and there's something really nice about having a very small SLR to carry around, like uh, especially if you're carrying two or three cameras, like I generally do. Mm. That weight, that weight matters after a while. So yeah, yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't want to be carrying three Zenits. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, uh, that's why I think when I go out with the Pentax six seven now, I try to just go out with that camera. It's it's enough of a load as it is. So, but uh, uh, yeah. So and so, did you ever buy like a really good digital camera, or did you just like ah hell with it? I'm just I'm just not going to make that transition. Or where, where was yeah, with that uh I, I i did eventually buy a good digital camera but that was only um four years ago mm-hmm. uh, i ended up buying a nikon slr um i don't know whatever it's i don't even know what the a d right. is d five something or other yeah uh, yeah but it's not it, it's not it, it was expensive but it's not one you know it's not their top of the range stuff and i Basically, I just bought it because my daughter needed a, a you know, a decent um, digital camera for college and stuff. Mm. So, did it hurt? Did it hurt your soul a little bit to like uh, not buy an Olympus? Uh, on the- <laughs> well, yeah, because it was just you know, I it was well, when I was looking around, friends all seemed to be shooting Nikon's, so it was like mm. you know, thing. And I tried, I tried a few of the Nikon's out, and um, I kind of like. I, I just like like the feel of the Nikon more so than any of the other cameras that that I'd seen. I, I did look at Canons as well, but mm-hmm. uh, but to be honest, it it basically it sits in a bag now. The only time it actually ever gets used is um, for when I'm scanning because I I tend to scan my negs through um, through the digital camera now. It's okay. just so much easier because my yeah. my um, my scanners 
pretty much a piece of crap to be honest <laughs> and it doesn't it, it, it it's it, i can't do 120 on there anyway so right, um right I, I had to find a way of doing 120s on okay. um yeah I think ha- so. have you found that have you found that process like i uh we've a lot of people are moving to that and uh actually andre and i had a big talk about it because andre's moving to um uh, like digital scanning uh, with a with a you know a, a digital camera or whatever, and I like I, I'm perfectly happy with my Epson V800, but I have said if this thing dies, like I'm not spending another seven or eight hundred bucks on one of these things because and who knows if Epson will even have them. Like I'm gonna knock on wood, I don't want this thing to die, but like, <laughs> but I, who knows if, if when this thing does die, if if it'll even be available because Epson doesn't seem to be very committed to like making a new scanner. I mean, even this V800 or V850 was like the last good ones they came out with. What are those like? Five six years old now since yeah. uh yeah. yeah and so I, I may be forced to go to it at some point when this thing dies uh, uh but uh, uh have did you find that um an easy process because it seems like people are really embracing it and so yeah yeah i, I find it I, I find it easier and quicker i mean you know back when i when I scan, if I'm using my, you know, when I was using my scanner, I didn't mind. I, you know, I'd, I'd sit at my computer, I'd put some music on, I'd sit mm-hmm. there with headphones on, and just let the scanner, you know, work work its way through. Right. But right. my scanner would only do one strip of six at a time. So, mm. thing. But I think my scanner's so old, and I, you know, like most of us, we don't tend to always look after our gear so well. And I, I, I find no matter what I do with my necks. There's always dust on uh, the uh, negatives, so uh-huh. I'm spending more time actually cleaning up a neg. And I think what's happened is there's just dust got inside the actual scanner, and it's either yeah. on the the light or um, somewhere in there. So doing it uh, with the digital camera is is so straightforward. I mean, I can shoot a, a roll of like 36, um, 35 mil in probably about five minutes once i'm oh, yeah. set up because right. the thing is it, once it's set up and you've got you've got your focus you know and it, it, everything's on it's just a matter of moving the image you know you your frame along you, you mm. don't have to you don't have to recompose because everything's re, um composed with it you know so so once you it the initial setup might take 10 15 minutes right um setting it up on a tripod blah 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 you know and then thing but what, what, what once you're into it it's bang, 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 and you know I'm I'm still waiting on Hamish's uh, Pixelator yes. to arrive, mm-hmm. um, and I think that'll make the um, process a little bit easier because at the moment I'm, I, what I've got is just a couple of um, of the Epson um, negative holders. I've got okay. one for 35 and one for 120, and basically I just put the image uh, the the negs in that to do it at the moment on, on top of like a light box or something. Yeah, yeah, I've got yeah. like a I've got like an A4 size light box mm-hmm. and I just put it on there, bang 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 and away you go, you know, and it's um straightforward. So even like uh like I, I can see where black and white can be really really fast and easy uh doing it this way, but with color I do know that like, you know, there's color correction cuz you got the you got the orange mask and all that stuff, but but even having to do all that is probably no more time consuming than you having to remove all the dust on your from the scans on your on your scanner yeah. when you did that, right? So <laughs> you know, at first I thought, "Oh, it's me," you know, cuz I, obviously I, I I developed my own black and white at home and um, mm. I, I was thinking, "Ah, oh, dust is getting on the negs but when i looked at the negs i couldn't see anything on there and it's like so you'd scan and there'd be you know dots all over it and you think mm. what the hell's going on you take it out air air blow it clean it all up again and it'd still be on there so in the end i just thought now nah, i'll just use the digital camera and um i i went and bought a cheap uh 50 
millimeter macro lens to mm. to, to put on it. Uh, it's manual, so it's it's really easy to zoom in. Um, the the good thing with the digital camera is you can you know magnify right down to a certain point. Right, so you can get really sharp focus, and and most of my black and white images that I post anywhere, uh, you know, in the last I'd say six months have been uh, digitally scanned through wow. a, a digital camera. Very very cool. All right, so so you uh, you know you, you had a, a a time in your life where you knew that film was uh, looking looking kind of bleak, and uh, and. Uh, what is it like lately? Uh, let's get up to like where you are now. Like, uh, did you come to a point where you were not shooting much film and then you, and then you started shooting a lot of film and was there something that brought you back or, uh, was you kind of always doing it or where, where was you at with that? And, and if it, if there was something that brought you back, what was it that, that made you, uh, kind of embrace, uh, film photography again? Well, I'd always, I never got rid of my film cameras. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I know a lot of people did. My film cameras just basically ended up, um, in the loft in my mum's place where, mm. where my mum lived. Mm. And um, when my mum died, obviously we had to go and clear a house out and, and stuff. And when I was clearing out a box and, you know, didn't know what was in it, opened it up. And there's all this, you know, there's all these cameras in there. Right, like, right. Oh, yeah, I, I, I remember them, you know, <laughs> sort of thing. So I, I kind of dug them out and, you know, thing. And I, I had some weird cameras. So like I had my... I had my Olympuses, but I also had an old uh, a Polaroid camera. I think it was called mm-hmm. a Vision or something that shot. It, it, it's a bit like the Fuji um, Mini images. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't mm-hmm. get film for it anymore. But I had that, and um, I had my old uh, One Step. Um, that was still that was still up in the loft, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, the thing. But then it, it, I mean, it was a, it was a box of stuff that basically when I, you know, it when I got married, it was like, well, I don't want to take that with me. So I'll stick it in my mum's house and, you know, <laughs> we'll deal with it at some point. But right. it had all, um, you know, the Viewmaster reels. Uh-huh. Yeah. It had, had a load of that stuff up there as well. So, so uh-huh. I sort of dug it out and I, I thought, well, I wonder what the thing. And so I, I started looking on eBay, you know, for like film cameras. And there was, mm-hmm. I thought, oh, you know, there's a lot of people selling cameras. Not, not, not that I was looking to sell cameras. Just, it was just like, you know, looking to see what, thing and then i you know when you're doing searches on google and stuff all of a sudden things are coming up and uh, one of the things that came up was the sunny 16 podcast mm-hmm. and I, i've always listened to podcasts of you know mm. different things and uh, mm-hmm. things that i'm interested in and um so i started listening to the sunnies and uh that that's what kind of got me i thought oh well, actually no there's been a slight resurgence in film you can actually go and get it now you know you can actually mm-hmm. st- still buy it and it's you know or it's easier to get hold of than it than it was through that kind of dark period not you know, not, was... not not only that there's the, the fact that what surprised me when i started listening to film podcasts when i was thinking about getting back into film i was like holy shit there's people out there that still do this and i wouldn't be crazy to do this anymore there's there's other people there's other weirdos out there right so so i was like like oh i didn't realize like I thought I was kind of crazy to think about going back to film. And uh, then I found the, a community of people that were doing, I was like, okay, I can, I can do this now. I don't, it doesn't seem like such a crazy idea. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and for me, I mean, to be honest for me, yeah, I'd go out. I, I, there were, there was a group of people that I used to go out regularly shooting with. There'd be probably about four or five of us could go out shoot digital and, and stuff and uh, thing. But I, you know, I'd go out and I, I might come back with, I don't know, three, 400 pictures. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> I'd sit there and I'd go, oh, 
oh, I can't bother editing them today and then it'd be a week and then it'd be two weeks and then it'd be three and then you, you, you think, oh, I better go through and have a look at them and then you'd look at them and go, ah, you know, maybe there's two decent pictures there. And um, <laughs> so so that was it. And then, of course, once I started uh, getting interest back, back in the film, I started to find that there was um, people that were doing this more or less the same thing but going out and shooting film. So mm. one group that um, I've been shooting with now probably for about... I don't know, it must be about 18 months now, is uh, the London Camera Project. Uh, Rob, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. who runs, uh, basically he does uh, a walk somewhere in London, maybe normally about once a month. And there's also another group that's called uh, Analog Meets. They they run walks as well. And basically just turn up. We, I mean, to be honest, it's more uh, sort of like maybe an hour and a half out shooting and then the rest of the evening spent in the pub. <laughs> I like it already. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, so, uh, you know, so you, you found the, this community, you, you started uh, shooting film again. And then at some point, the ideal to start a podcast uh, uh, dawned on you. So uh, tell us about uh, starting the on the streets podcast, which if anybody hasn't checked that out, they should. Uh, uh, George does a great job with that. And also he just uh, starting to do interviews. So, so he's taking it up a notch. So he's, he's all in. Uh, so George, tell us a little bit about like, how did you get from that point to like, you know what? I think I want to, I think I want to have a talk. Uh, I think I want to want to produce a show about, about film photography. Uh, tell us about how you got into that. Right. Well, so so I like I say I was listening to Sonny's. Sonny's was was one of the thing, and because because Sonny's were UK based, I mean, there's a lot I, there's a lot of podcasts out there. But and I like listening to most of my. I think I've probably got I don't know thirty, maybe forty podcasts on my podcast catcher. So right, um, right. things. So I get I, I I'm way behind with a lot. I think I'm I think I've got thirty episodes of stuff to listen to which <laughs> right, is right. really difficult at the moment but yeah, um yeah so i i was listening you know i listened to sunny's and the thing and then uh one week they had this bloke called mike gutterman on there <laughs> and the one, the one where i had really bad audio the entire time <laughs> right. yeah but so but he was he was going on you know they were going singing they're going yeah he's done like you know nearly a hundred podcasts <laughs> and i was like wow or 100 episodes and i was like wow that you know that that's a lot of episodes he must have been going for years i'll, I'll have to think so i went and had a look and i think he'd been going for about six months <laughs> so i went all in man i did yeah yeah so so obviously i, I started listening to the later ones right and i think you I, I think you were just coming up to your hundredth episode okay so the thing you know so so i i, I was listening to and, and at the time they, they you know a lot of them were quite short so it, you yeah know, you could listen to like two or three i could listen to two or three on, on a drive to work right, so right. things so i was listening to them and then I, I you know i'd start working my way back as well when when there wasn't no new ones i i i'd listen to <laughs> things but there was always a new one so <laughs> so but then you know as as you you actually you know were going ah oh, this this podcasting's easy you know all you need is the anchor app and people should go out there and you know do these podcasts mm-hmm. and i thought hmm. now I, I back in the well you know going back a few years i used uh, i think i mentioned it i used to do a lot of hiking mm-hmm. so i'd go out for uh normally it would be normally like four days so like a friday to monday and me and me and two friends we'd go uh scotland 
Wales, uh, Peak District, Lake District. You probably don't know any of these places, but I've you know, heard all these. I've heard I've heard all these names probably mostly from the Sunnies, but, but yeah. right, yeah. So so they they're, they're like. Um, we've got the national parks bit bit like you so you know you mm-hmm. can go out there you wild camping is discouraged other than in scotland but you'd go out and we, we, we'd go basically camp take take all their gear with us tents things you know and, and, and things so we, uh, and we'd go out thing and i always took um a video camera with me okay so I, I'd, I, I'd always tape it and basically just for my own enjoyment mm-hmm. and for my mates you know we'd have a bit of a laugh and then I'd do the editing of it, convert it into a digital format, and then send them so t- to my mates thing. And mm-hmm. then I'd, I'd also um, post them up on YouTube. So I, I was doing a lot of that. And then in 2010, I did a walk from the west coast of Scotland to the east coast of Scotland, which is roughly about 200 miles. Oh, wow. Uh, and um, so I, I'd done that and uh, I videoed all of that. But I met a few people. Think, basically, what, what that was, it, it's called the TGO Challenge. TGO is the uh, great outdoors. It's a magazine in the UK. Mm. And they run this challenge every year. And um, basically, the idea is that you plan your own route from the west of Scotland to the east of Scotland. Mm. Um, think. So, And I met people that were actually podcasting. And okay. I thought, oh, yeah, no, that that'd be a good way of doing it. But at that point, you know, that's 10 years ago. At that point, it, it just seemed very complicated. There wasn't mm-hmm. an easy way of doing it. Anyway, getting back onto the subject of photography, um, you were saying, oh, people should do this and things. So I thought, oh, well, I'll give it a try. And I, I looked at the Anchor app. And like like you said, it's easy. You do it on your phone and, and stuff like that. So I thought, oh, I can do that. But mm-hmm. I, I'm not. I wasn't walking anymore because it, it's probably about two years now since I'd, I started doing the, the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I, I thought, well, what can I, I thought, well, I can, I can sort of talk about my film photography right. and how, how I'm getting back into film photography and what I'm doing. I, I, I still go out photographing, walking around London. I thought I could do like little pieces of that, you know, just chatting about as i'm walking around london what i'm doing and stuff like that mm-hmm. and basically that's how it um that's how the podcast got started so it's all <laughs> down to you mike <laughs> well i will t- I, I i that is a that is actually uh it's very a humbling thing i'll take that as a compliment man because uh, I, I enjoy your podcast uh, I, I know early on and i think if you've said it even even not even not that long ago you're like you know I think you kind of went about it with a sort of an ideal of, you know, I don't really care if anybody's listening to this. This is more for me as like a, a documenting my, my film photography journey or whatever, but I, I'm pretty sure you do have good listeners. And uh, so, uh, but I, I, what I like about, uh, and reason why uh, that I was I, I, on a lot of early episodes, I called out for as many people as possible to get into film photography podcast or whatever, or start doing it, get their voice out there is because I just I just felt like the more voices we have out there, the more we're promoting this thing, and that's 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 what we're all all wanting to do. We want to keep this thing alive and keep it going. Uh, but what I like about what's happened with all these film podcasts that have popped out, and like, uh, and there's been even some more that's just popped out in the last couple of months or whatever, uh, is like everyone's had got their own take on it, and everyone has mm-hmm. like a different spin. And you know, maybe one podcast isn't for you. 
uh, but maybe another one is. And like, I think that's, I think having that variety in the film podcast community or whatever is a good thing because we need, we want people to be engaged and people be excited about this. And, and maybe my podcast doesn't resonate, resonate with somebody, but maybe somebody else's does. So I think it's, it's it, the more voices, the better, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Most definitely. I mean, you, for me, I, I mean, like I say, I, I, I've kind of fallen behind on, on some of my podcasts, but they're, like your podcast whenever that drops that is like the minute it drops so it'll normally drop here uh maybe i might get it about seven or eight o'clock in the morning and <laughs> it, it's and like, I, like and i'm probably still up here uh, at, <laughs> at three or four in the morning here so yeah <laughs> so that, that as soon as it drops it's like right negative positives i'm listening to that on the way to work so oh, your, cool. yours is always yours and the sunnies are uh, you know are, are the two main ones that as soon as they drop I, I will listen to them so i'm always up to date 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 with them and then there's other people that you know i've got a sort of hierarchy of um how i listen <laughs> to my podcasts and that or, or, unless you know a, a podcast drops with someone that, that i'm interested in and then i will listen to to that but it's uh, yeah it, it you know like you say there's i mean i'm not i'm not really into large format but right. there's a couple of uh podcasts that talk about large format and it's like that it's interesting because i think to my, you know I, I i do kind of think oh maybe at some point i might go into that so at least right. I, then you know i've listened to people talking about it i've got some knowledge of it so i'm not going into it completely blind um it's the same when i started to um shoot 120 go back to shooting 120 it was like you know some people would, uh, just primarily shoot 120 so that their podcast you know it just gives you um you know the basics of of what they're doing within that so right. that's interesting um recently i've been thinking about possibly going into maybe trying some pinhole photography mm. so you know now i'm sort of listening to podcasts that um concentrate more on pinhole photography sure. so there's always you know it, it with film photography there's so many different uh genres within Oh, there is so much to explore. Yeah, there's so yeah. much to explore that you know. If you know, if you think, oh, maybe I want to do cyanotype, mm -hmm. you can probably find a podcast, or not not a whole podcast, but an, an episode, episode at least, yeah, yeah, where someone's talking about doing it, and, and and you can get the grounding from that. You know, so mm -hmm. that, you know, it's it's a good thing. There's there's, there's something for everyone out there. Yeah. You know, I agree. I agree. So, what do you what are you thinking about, like? you started doing uh, interviews uh, recently on your podcast. Like, where do you, where are you want to see your podcast go? Do you think interviews is something you're kind of wanting to explore more in the future? Uh, like, is, is it, is it kind of the plan? Uh, yeah. you just, you're just, just playing it by ear. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I really am just playing it by ear. Right. I mean, it's just, uh, I, I enjoy the, like, like you say, it, 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 it's always, it was just basically a, a way of me sort of documentary documenting what i was doing mm -hmm. for my own sake more than anything else you know just, right. just, just just a bit of fun really um recording when i develop something and mm -hmm. you know or when i'm out having a walk around and it was basically it, it's just an easier form of doing it instead of videoing and right. that so but it was just the 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 idea of the interviews was that we just got into to the lockdown uh, mm -hmm. uh with the you know the covid thing and um I'd, I'd been, I'd been on a, a, a Zoom chat with um, Ted Smith, um, Malcolm. I can't, oh, sorry, Malcolm. I can't remember your second name, and um, Stanley Phillips. Okay. And was we, it Mal we, Malcolm Myers? Was it? 
Yeah, Malcolm Myers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, we we were just you know just chatting about nothing real. Well, not nothing, but you know we, we were just chatting. And and I don't know. I mean, Ted says that we chatted about this idea of taking pictures during the quarantine. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't, I, you know, I think it might just be one of them throwaway things that, you know, we were just chatting about and, oh yeah, that'd be a good idea. And, and then moved on to another subject. And, um, but Ted actually uh, sort of took up the bat and decided to to do this. So basically he was shooting stuff of his kids and, you know, his family while they were in lockdown. Mm-hmm. And he then, I, I follow Ted's blog. So he posted up some stuff, some images and you know a bit of type about it and stuff you know little sort of article about what he was doing and i just thought oh yeah that's really good and i i thought oh, i wonder if you'd be interesting coming on the podcast and talking about it mm-hmm. he said yes so so that was the first interview that i'd done uh it was quite nerve-wracking i've got to be honest and yeah, that, we, and then you did you did a, a good i i feel like I've, i should have heard that episode I, I can't remember if i've heard the one with, i know i heard the other interview I, I need to go back and make sure i listen to the ted smith episode because he was great when he came on negative positives and uh he, yeah he's a he's a he's a uh, uh he's a he's a good person to interview he, he makes it easy yeah. and uh but i think yeah, you've done well yeah. with it and like you know i still get like i still get a little nervous sometimes uh, even like as, as long as I've been doing this, uh, getting someone on that, you know, I don't have never really talked to, especially if somebody I haven't like really messaged, messaged with much like uh, direct messages. Or if I, if I felt like, uh, you know, I sort of know them, but I don't, sometimes I get a little nervous, but how's this going to go? Like, am I going to be able to keep this conversation flowing or whatever? Uh, but you've done well so far. So yeah, keep it up, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like Ted was the first one and then, uh, my friend Charlie, he just, he last year he was on his gap year. So he was traveling all around the world and he went to he went to the US mm-hmm. and uh, he, he basically he 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 moved across the country. But he did. It wasn't like a coast to coast trip. But, you know, I think he started in New York. Then he ended up in, uh, I think, L.A. And mm. then I, I, I think and then he ended up uh, finally up in Seattle. And, right. Uh, he because he was in lockdown, he decided to put um, a zine together from his images from that and uh i thought oh well i'll get him on to talk about that and mm-hmm. then that year also he went out to chernobyl you know where the big oh, um, yeah 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 nuclear big, reactor, uh, blew nuclear up. reactor meltdown yeah mm-hmm. and that was i think that was his first scene that he he um done which which i picked up and so yeah basically i just had him on to chat about that but yeah i, I it I, i'm not sure whether it would be a, a you know a regular um Thing of having people on to chat it, I, I suppose it's if i find something that interests me and yeah. you know that interest then i think well people might be interested in that then then you know I, I i will kind of reach out to them and um you know try and uh interview them and see if um you know if, if they're willing for that the the one person that there is one person that i would really really love to interview mm-hmm. and that's brian may oh okay there you go right because he's a photographer right yeah he, he yeah he's he's um his big passion is um stereo photography yes yeah and, mm-hmm. and, and i've got I, i've got a passion for stereo photography as well mm-hmm. um so yeah he's um and, you know he, he'd be saying so, yeah he's like my bucket list interview there you person go. Yeah. Like to interview, yeah. you know whether whether it ever happens or not it's a thing, but it's it's that reaching out to someone, you know, and someone that big, it's like, you know, you probably 
you know, if you if you DM them or something, it probably just disappear in the ether. You know, <laughs> right, it's, right. Yeah, but yeah, yeah maybe, maybe I will. I, 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 like I say, I don't know. At, at present, it's just um, thing, and it was a, in a way, it was a kind of necessity because my podcast is, you know, they go out quite irregular. They're not, um, you know, they don't go out that that often. And it was like, well, I've got nothing to put out because I'm not out photographing anything and i just mm. thought well yeah maybe i'll try doing a couple of interviews and just see how it goes well it's it's it's, it's come out quite well so uh yeah that's uh and uh i think um uh i, I think there's a there's an element to like I, I know you know i did so many podcasts by myself and, <laughs> uh like way too many uh, and and uh i do like uh having other people like that's one thing I liked like adding hosts to the show and like having guests on because um, the, the conversation isn't all just me just talking uh, which I think I just felt like at some point like people were bound to hear me uh, bound, bound to be tired of just hearing my voice uh, somewhat drunkenly stumbling through some sort of photography thing that I'm trying or whatever but uh, so it mentioned that I mean the, the name of the podcast is on the streets so and that obviously brings up the you know the, the image of street photography. Mm -hmm. So uh, we talked a little bit in the pre-recording uh, about street photography. So let's get let's let's dive into that. Uh, so do you you consider like street photography probably your main inspiration in photography? I'm assuming uh, by the name of the podcast and just a little bit we talked about before we started recording, right? Yeah, it, 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 it's something that I've you know I've got a passion for. Um, I love looking at other photographers' uh, street photography. You know, good good street photography, right? Right, uh, which is so hard to achieve it um, is it, it, it's thing and you you look back to the mar masters you know people like um gildan and davidson uh joel Meyerowitz, you know um people like that mm. you know that they, they, they've got an eye they they've got an eye for it and thing and it, it's yeah it, it, it's just catching that candid moment and you know of someone um just doing something ordinary but extraordinary as well yeah you know? it's, it's, it's the old decisive moment thing right yeah right? yeah <laughs> that yeah that kind of yeah it is that kind of thing and uh right. so i mean it 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 does seem to it, it's had a big resurgence probably in the last i don't know maybe five or six years after oh, the sure. the sure. uh vivian meyer um mm -hmm. thing you know with, with her her image being found i and i i think a lot of people thought oh you know we can be we can all be street photographers and we can make millions of pounds out of it and i don't you know i don't think you know other than the odd few i don't think many people have made uh <laughs> money from street photography i mean even street right. photo even well-known street photographers that that i know here in the uk still work on doing commissions of you know what we class as ordinary photography Mm -hmm. uh, to, to earn a living the you know the street photography tends to be their passion and if they can you know if they can sell an image from a, a you know of a street photographer uh, of a street photograph then you know i think they're happy but but they can't live on that alone and um but like i say yeah it, it it's because yeah you know, i'm in an urban environment i you know i live just outside london and mm -hmm. uh to get into london for me like you know it's like 15 minutes in wow. central london and uh yeah it's a vibrant yeah uh massive city so right. there's, there's always something going on and you know some there's always some way of finding something to photograph in you know on the streets mm -hmm. so uh yeah that that's what i do i mean i like to say when i was hiking a lot of my stuff was landscape photography but I don't hike at all now, so 
the uh, the only way of, of of keeping that moving is um, is to do sort of you know urban urban stuff. So you know, be it just you know if there's a march going on or something like that, mm-hmm. I'll go and you know I'll go and try and photograph that. Get try and get you know some decent images uh, images sure. that I, that I like. You know if some other people like them great if they don't you know it's a thing you yeah i think uh, you know i I feel you have to shoot for yourself and not not worry about what other people think and but if someone does like your image then that's great you know i agree i agree i'm I'm in complete agreement with there i've i've really uh so something i've been thinking about a lot lately is is uh just creative outlets and i feel like uh if you're not doing it for yourself if you're not making yourself happy uh, uh, then, then why do it? And, and, and honestly, if you are happy with your creative outlets, I mean, who gives a shit what anybody else thinks about it? Right. Because I mean, this is uh, your vision and whatever creative outlet you might be going into. And, uh, the only thing that, that that's important is that you're happy with it. And if somebody else happens to like it that, yeah, again, that's, that's a bonus, but, yeah. uh, yeah, we're all trying to just find a way to, to express our, ourselves a little bit. But, uh, I think anytime the subject of street photography comes up, uh, I am, I, I don't really, cause I, I walk the streets of, of Louisville. I take it to the streets, uh, every once in a while. And, and I, I, I'm usually the guy that's waiting for people to get out of my frame. I, I'm usually not big. I, 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 I'm just usually not big on putting people into, uh, my photography, which, uh, is probably a mistake, but, uh, but a lot of people, when they think about street photography, if they're not into it or they're thinking about getting into it, the, the big, uh, kind of make what makes them nervous is the ideal of, you know, putting the camera up to your eye and taking photos of people that don't know you and might think you might be a little bit of a creeper or, or whatever, or, or whatever it might, might be. There's a, people have a lot of apprehension about it. So, uh, have you found like, uh, the, the, just the kind of the response of people, uh, on the streets, if they happen to notice you taking a photo of them and, and how do you deal with that? And, and like, do you feel confident with it? And where are you at with that? I, it, it, it's, a, it, it's a weird thing. It, it it's, it's something you need to practice. Oh, well, mm-hmm. this is this is how I deal with it anyway. It, it's something you need to practice. It's it, it, like so. We've been on lockdown for I don't know six seven weeks now. So mm-hmm. I've not I've not shot technically on the streets. You know, in in that time. Right. So when I when we finally can start, you know, uh, mingling with other people again, it, it will be difficult um, because you kind of lose the knack. I think it's right. like anything, you know, if you don't ride a bicycle for 10 years, the first time you get on a bike is uncomfortable. I just, I just know? recently did that. Like I hadn't rode a bike in 10 years. And after my knee surgery, I was like, well, I need to start taking up biking. So I got the old bike out and I was like, the first time I got on it, I was like, you know, it's, it's not just like riding a bike. I, I am having a hard, like, I'm afraid yeah. of my wreck. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So, so, so that's what like. So, so I imagine the first time I go out, uh, thing it'll be i'll be really nervous and you know you you kind of you kind of close up so you you know your shoulders come in your head drops and mm-hmm. you know you you're slyly i mean candid photography is kind of it is people do say it's an invasion of privacy and it, it's you know it's a sly way of taking photographs and yes it is but no it's not as well you you know but i think what will happen for me is the first couple of times out i might only take maybe two or three pictures because i will feel nervous and i'll mm-hmm. uh, you know i'll find it awkward but it's one of those things that the more you do it the easier it becomes so sure. you know the first week i might end up just shooting maybe two or three people um 
and you know i'll be nervous to actually go up and speak to someone and ask them whether it's you know it, it's okay to take the, the their picture but after about five or six weeks i'll be back hopefully i'll be back into the flow so i'll just be like you know i'll see someone or i'll see i'll see a scene developing in front of me and you know i'll, I'll sit i'll stand there take take the images um uh, in all the time i mean all the time i've probably been street shooting for about five or six years mm-hmm. and in all the time that i've done it i think i've only had two people confront me okay and uh i think one of them did it did he get aggressive or was it just kind of like one of them (laughs) did but i think it was because he was uh i think he was probably a little bit mentally disturbed okay maybe you know maybe i shouldn't have taken the picture but it was just sometimes sometimes that you see a scene in front of you and you just go i can't let that go you Mm -hmm. know so you take the picture and you know nine times out of ten nothing will happen that that tenth time you'll get some sort of confrontation, you know, and like I say, in, in five or six years, I, I've only really had two, uh, like I say, that, that one thing. And then the other one was uh, a woman. She just wasn't happy that I took a picture and I just explained to her, you know, what I was doing and what I saw. And she said, well, no, I'd rather you do it. I said, okay, fine. And I deleted the picture. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, it, it's no hardship, you know, that was on digital. So this right. is, this is like back in the early days. Uh, it's a bit difficult now, but then again, <laughs> But then again, I've not I, I've not had, um, you know, a, a, an issue with it. I mean, right. So I'll give you an example of and, and no confrontation thing. But every um, January here, the, the, there's an area uh, where I, near where I live called Canary Wharf. It's, it, it basically it's, it's like a uh, financial district now. Mm-hmm. And uh, every year they have like a, a, a light exhibition. So they have a like light light sculptures and stuff like this mm. and mm. um they had this basically what, what it was it was it was a bench with like a a concrete figure of a woman on it holding a mobile phone and the light was shining off the mobile phone up into her face well you could sit on this bench and have your photograph taken um and i, I was just watching people sit down have their pictures you know to, and their family friends are all there with their mobiles <laughs> right. and whatnot right. taking their right. picture and i was you know anything that particularly interested me but then this young girl sat down and when i say young she was probably i don't know maybe nine ten but the right. sat down and the way the light actually beamed up into her face i just i just see it and i just thought that's a cracking photograph mm-hmm. and i just and i just snapped one frame now, obviously, it was on film, so I didn't know whether it was going to think. No one said anything to me because it's the crowd of people standing there and, and whatnot. Um, so I, there was no confrontation. When I finally got home and I um, developed the film, the, the image, it's a brilliant image. I, mm-hmm. I know that's me talking about my own picture, but I, I think it is a great image. You know, it's just basically it's all black apart from this girl's face and the um concrete uh statue or whatever it is with the the um phone light beaming up into her face oh, very and, cool you know it's cool i'm not i'm not well i might you know it, it, if there was an exhibition coming up and thing i might use it for that mm-hmm. you can use street uh street images you can use as long as you're not using them commercially yeah, so, yeah. You can do, you can do, uh, you can do art shows, galleries, anything like that, uh, as long as you're not selling a product. Yeah, yeah, you're precisely. good. So you know, I 
you know, I think it's good enough to enter into, uh, a, you know, an exhibition if I was looking for it. But other than that, I, you know, I've printed out a, a, an eight by 10 of it. And basically it's just sitting in my portfolio thing, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not, not going to do anything else with it. I did post it to Instagram. Right. Um, but other than that, you know, that, that's it. So I'm not, you know, it's not like I, I'm, I'm not out to exploit people. I'm not looking, you know, I, I don't shoot homeless people because that's kind of an, a, a big no-no. Mm-hmm. Unless you were doing a project that was, you know, to help homeless people. Yeah, I guess. But, but I, you know, I won't shoot homeless people and things. But oh, my, so. Uh, no, go uh, Sorry, go on. Well, I was just uh, so, but this actually brings me to a point. Like, do you think, like, London being a huge city, and, like, I would feel like, uh, and like, Louisville is, we're a mid-sized city, and but people in Louisville are a little different, man. It's a little bit different. Like, so I never really, really know exactly how people, uh, I don't think people in this town, even though we have a, a pretty large size city, are used to seeing photographers out on the streets and are used to seeing people, uh, like, photographers taking photos of like people on the streets. I don't know that it's that common here, but I would feel like in London, a big city like that, and I feel like, like New York would be the same way, LA, Chicago, big cities like that. They're probably a little more used to it. Do you think that in London, shooting in London, do you think people are a little more used to seeing like things like that because maybe it happens more frequently? Is it does you think that makes it a little easier because it seems to me like surely uh as as much as London has been photographed, uh people are used to seeing people on the streets with cameras, right? Yeah, most definitely, and, and the the you know the amount of people with mobile phones that yeah you, oh yeah I, I I mean when I go into central London so where my train comes in it's like a thirty second walk into Trafalgar Square which is like a massive square and the amount of people that are in there photographing you know videoing thing it, because it's all you know ninety percent are probably tourists yeah so yeah right. everyone everyone's got a camera. Mm-hmm. You know, and it it, 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 I think yes, it that you know, if you're in a big city, you know, if you were somewhere like, I guess, like New York, yeah, you, know, you you just melt into the crowd. People just right, don't right. notice because they're all going about their own business, and that they they don't notice. Thing, it's only, you know, I I I tend to, if there's something going on. I'll tend to position myself and maybe stand there for 10, 15 minutes, you know, just, just to see what's going to develop and mm-hmm. things. So, so if, you know, if you stand still long enough, you, you become invisible. People just don't notice you. You, you can stand there snapping away and right. no, no, you know, like I say, nine times out of 10, no one will even notice you, you know, right. Right. You, you don't have a problem taking images in smaller places. So obviously I, like I say, I live out in the, in the suburbs. So, where I am that we've got like, you know, it is it, a few houses out here and we've got like a, a, a little shopping mall. And yeah. I was doing the shopping mall where I live is, is like was built in the sixties and it's mm-hmm. quite, it's quite decrepit now and, uh, and run down. And I was doing a, a little project on that, you know, just shooting it. Most of the shops have closed down. Um, mm-hmm. There was a big fire there a couple of years ago and uh, the shops that got burnt, they've never reopened so you know it, it, like i say it, it's quite decrepit and uh i just thought you know one sunday morning i just thought oh you know 
a bit of a project. I'll go around there and shoot some images of that. So I'm around there shooting that. And uh, I did, do you have pound stores in your dollar stores? In, in yes, in, yes. Your, uh, yep. So so there's like a pound store, dollar store, whatever you know, you, you, you call it around there. And um, he's got all his displays out on the, you know, all his stuff out on the front. So there's all like buckets and boxes and you know <laughs> fake flowers and stuff like that. So mm. I, you know, just as I was walking past, just thought, oh yeah, yeah, that that'll make a good image. It's one of the shops that's open. So I took an image. Oh, I you know took the shot. The next thing he come running out of me, he said, oh, you can't take my picture. I said, well, yeah, I can because it's, you know, this is public ground, blah, blah, blah. You right, go right. Thing. And I, I said to him, but I'm not doing it. I'm not. He said, ah, oh, yes, but you've taken a photograph of my display. He said, and someone might see that and decide to, to copy it. And I'm like, mate, it's just a few buckets and, you know, <laughs> No, it's a pound right. store. It's you right. know, no one, it, it's not like I'm taking, you know, a, a picture of a display in Harrods or, you know, some big, big <laughs> you're shop. Not, you're not necessarily and, exposing any trade secrets of a Yeah, doctor. precisely. And I was just like, nah, you know, don't worry about it, mate. The thing and I just walked off. Yeah, it's like, I was like, oh, but you do, you, you kind of get that, 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 you know, that's a funny thing with it right. sometimes. So you, you get that kind of thing sometimes, which is, yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> well, uh, in the pre-recording, I did uh, find out that you are a fellow factory worker, and uh, yes. and which which means uh, uh, you know we are uh, salt of the earth people, uh, George, and uh, and and uh, I'm actually surprised you don't shoot Pentax because I mean it is the working man's <laughs> camera and all, but 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 so like I find like uh, I I think the reason I'm so driven uh, either through music or photography to be creative is. Uh, is just, I, I don't know about your job, but it's very mundane. It's very robotic. It, there is no creativity in my, in my work. So that drives me to find creative outlets outside of, you know, being a factory worker, you know? Mm -hmm. And so do you find that, that, that pushes you a little bit? Like, is that, is that what is, do you find that you, you need that those outlets because, uh, factory work can be, um, it can be very dull, man. Like, right. It's not, not necessarily soul inspiring, right? <laughs> it, it's not. It, it, well, it's not nowadays because I, I, I'm an offset printer. Mm -hmm. So I, I used to run offset printing presses. Okay. Um, but so that was quite creative because, you know, you, 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 you're, you're mixing inks. You're getting, you know, you have to get the colors right. So you, you're running four separate colors to make up a, an image and stuff like that. So, that that's what I you know I trained in I I done my city and gills in that um, at sixteen and whatnot so I I've always worked in that same industry mm. uh, but over the last I don't know ten fifteen years it, we've all it's like everything it's gone to digital right so right. It, basically it's just a computer screen press a button yeah so the, yeah. the, the, the you know the, there's no creativity in it anymore and um, yeah so like I say I'm in a factory it's uh, there's no windows, <laughs> only the glass in the doors, and right, uh, right. so, so you, you you don't see outside. But you know, in the winter you go in in the dark, you come out in the dark. Right. So and you and you never know exactly what time of day it is because you can't tell because you can't you don't see any sunshine. <laughs> yeah, precise, <laughs> precisely. Yeah, I'm a ginger, so I'm very fair skinned anyway. So <laughs> I I never get um you know I I always look really I look you know like like a white walker if you've seen. Uh, <laughs> game of thrones but yeah. yeah so um so when the weekend comes that that's my time to go out and thing and it, it's like i i've been lucky that um while this has been going on i've still been going to work uh mm -hmm. we, we've had enough um work 
for some of us to still be able to go in and and produce stuff so i've been lucky being out going but if i had been off for these past seven weeks and not and still not being able to go out at weekends uh i'd be I'd be chewing the wallpaper off the walls by now. (laughs) It's because I just couldn't think. I mean, my drive to work is about a 40 minute drive. And uh, there's, you know, I've always got my camera in in my uh, rucksack that I take into work. So if I'm driving to work and I see something that I think might be interesting, I'll I'll stop. So when these, um, I know we keep talking about it, but it's it's the only thing we can't, you know, really have to talk about at the moment. Mm -hmm. When this COVID thing first started, I'd be driving past and, you know, you'd see people queuing up and they'd be two metres apart and there'd be all these signs up saying you've got to stay two metres apart. And it was just, it was just, I'd see that and think, oh, that's something interesting. So I'd pull my car over, jump out, take a couple of quick frames, jump right. back in the car and, uh, you know, then back on to work. So that it, I, I need my weekends. I need to be going out and doing something, you know, right. and that something is my photography. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I say, at the moment, we're still it, it's relaxed a little bit. So it's, it's a little bit easier to go further afield now. But uh, up until last week, it was just grab what you could, you know. Right. And, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, it, uh, working in a factory five days a week, you know, <laughs> the weekends are, are really important to. Yeah. It, it, even if it's not, you know, even if it's even if I don't shoot anything, it, it's nice to maybe record something for the podcast. You know. Yeah. It, yeah. Even something like that, just 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 to keep your you know your creativity moving along at, at some pace, because otherwise you just you just die inside. Otherwise, yeah, right? It keeps you keeps you sane, man. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, and another thing we talked about in the pre-show uh, recording is um, uh, I kind of want to get down as our last kind of uh, subject is like projects and stuff. But the main thing is like you had mentioned you you had kind of a I don't know. A, pretty damn cool exhibit for like three months and i want i want to hear a little bit yeah, i want to let you brag about that a little bit because that, that sounds uh pretty impressive so tell us about this exhibit you had for like three months uh well it basically that every year in the uk we have a thing called the uh british life photography awards mm-hmm. and uh you you can enter in different fields so it's it basically it, it's any any photography that's done or about britain so mm. um, it might be portraits landscape um street photography and uh i entered uh, a few uh street photography images that uh i i'd taken and that i was happy with and uh i was lucky enough to get two images um selected for this exhibition and the exhibition was held for three months in the royal albert hall wow. uh, which a big sort of concert um, mm-hmm. stuff in, in in the UK. I mean, mo- most people in the UK probably know. I mean, maybe people around the world will n- uh, uh, know it as well because it it is quite well known. And uh, even, I, even, yeah. even I've even I've heard of that place. So yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. So uh, yeah, so I was lucky enough to get two images, um, you know, uh, displayed there for three months, along with other people that had um, you know put stuff into the exhibition. Right. And, and so uh, how, how big of a thrill was that? Did you go to the? Did they have like an opening or something? Yeah, it had an opening night, yeah. and uh, so went along to that, and yeah, it was really interesting, and um, and just seeing your your work printed and hung on a a wall in an exhibition is just you know, it, I I don't think there's much better, you know, maybe maybe when right. your kids are maybe, but you know, yeah, um, yeah. 
Yeah, it, it's kind of the pinnacle of what you can accomplish with your artsy photos, right? Like, like it doesn't get much better than that. Like, that's yeah. kind of like, yeah, that's kind of the final. Like, I don't, I don't know how you go much above that, right? Yeah. And it, it, the thing is, well, it, because someone else that you know doesn't know you, or yeah, you know, I mean, I know sort of like on Instagram or Flickr, wherever you post your pictures, you people will like a picture and stuff, right. you know, and, they, and they might be people people you don't know that they like it. You, you you don't get any feedback from, from from you know why they've liked it or anything but this is sort of like you know this is sort of someone else that doesn't know you has mm-hmm. never seen anything you've done before you know saying oh yeah your work is actually good enough to be in this exhibition and sure. uh, you know and, and that kind of you know if, if you're starting to lose inspiration or you know you start thinking oh my photography's because i think we all have that thing that no matter how good a photograph can be or how good thing you you, you will think oh, it's not that good because you'll see someone else's photograph and go oh, right right brilliant. right but, but yeah. someone else, but your photograph's just as good as that and you go oh, i don't think it is you know and it's thing so so to get that you know recognition from someone you know uh from a, a panel of judges mm. is uh it, it, it is quite nice and it, it just gives you that extra bit of momentum to think oh actually you know maybe maybe you only take i don't know two or three maybe four really great images in a year right you know and and for someone to say yes this is a you know or not necessarily great but a good image right and, and to say this is a good image we we would like to have it in our exhibition it just gives you that extra bit of motivation and you, you go oh real I'll, I'll continue doing this and i'll go out you know and i will i will shoot you know, seventy rolls of film, and you know, <laughs> to and, get to get four images, right? right four yeah. images. It, but it's, <laughs> no, it it does motivate you. I know it does. Uh, yeah, because um, I think I think there's a thing about like I think everybody that's in creative outlets, and we've talked about this. It's actually given a, a little bit of a theme here recently uh, uh, on the podcast. Well, no telling if it'll be a theme by the time this airs, but but we've talked a little bit about how I think creatives. Uh, we all go through like self doubt and like we're always second guessing our work. And so when it gets validated, there is something really nice about that. They're like, huh, you know, maybe, I, maybe I do know what the hell I'm doing every once in a while. You know, I'm not saying I'm always good, but like apparently occasionally lightning strikes and I, and I, and I do something right. So yeah. that, that's a nice thing. So on the opening uh, of this, uh, of this exhibit, was you like standing next to your photography where people could come up and like comment on it? Did you hear any, like I, yeah. I talk about, I talk about art shows and like, Sometimes I kind of like stand away and hear what people say. And, and sometimes they really, really give me a, a really bad critique on some of the stuff I have at the art show, which I always find extremely hilarious. I never take it uh, as uh, I never take it as like uh, I don't get offended or whatever, but I, I usually just find it funny. But um, did you did you have people coming up and looking at your photos with you standing right there and, and talking to you about it? Because I think it's uh, one of my favorite things about doing art shows has been. Interaction with people and people asking me questions about the photos and stuff like that, even if whether they buy anything or not, it's that's 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 here or there. But like, mm-hmm. but just the the feedback I get and just the conversations I have has kind of been one of the the most enjoyable things. Did you have that experience? I I, I did because basically it was like in a, a a big exhibition space, so you're actually moving right. around looking at other people's pictures. Sure. But sort of you know it it's it's kind of weird because. You're, it is ego ma- massaging and so you you're kind of like yeah you know, you're over the one side of the room looking at other people's pictures but you, you're you you know you're kind of slyly still looking over at yours to see whether anyone's you know, looking at it right, looking right. at it or spending a yeah. bit more time and then you kind of edge your way over just to hear what they say you know right. and, uh, right. thing and yeah i mean i 
couple of times, yeah, I spoke to a, a few people that were um, looking at it and, you know, just explaining um, thing. I mean, because one of the images is is like, so I'll, I'll, I'll try to explain it. The the images are actually, it, it's a bollard, uh, a concrete um, bollard, but it's got two re- reflective lights in it. Okay, I, I, have, I have no idea what a bollard is. Uh, <laughs> right, but it, it's like... It, it stops you. It's a concrete bollard, so that basically they're to stop you from driving up onto okay, yeah, somewhere right. where you're you're not supposed sure. to. So this right. is like a, a rectangle one. It stood about I don't know two foot high, yeah, and it had reflective lights on it. But the way the reflective lights were, they looked like a pair of eyes. Okay. And of course, some comedian has come along and drawn a fate, uh, you know, a smiley. A smile underneath it. Right, nice, yeah. So I see this image, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's funny. I'll take a picture of it. Right. So I take a picture of it, and it, this is, uh, uh, again, this is, was, was a digital shot. So I take oh. a picture of it, and it's like, you know, it's a nothing, it's a nothing, it's an absolute nothing picture. It's just like, oh, I'll take a picture of that. But when the picture flashes up on the back of the screen, there happens to be this woman walking past with a yellow bag right. with a smiley face on the bag. <laughs> the size, decisive moment, right? Yeah. Decisive <laughs> moment, but didn't even, I, I, because people even have said to me, how long did you wait, wait there for that to happen? It's like, you could never wait there for that to happen. Right. That just, that, that happened because it happened. There's right. no way you could have stood there. You could have stood there for a, a million years <laughs> right. and you would not right. get that image, you know? Right. And it was just, and I'm like, fucking hell hey look at this look at this and it's like and i just you know did, if you, it had did, just, you, did, did you know you you got that did you know that she had that no, when you took the shot I, I, oh. no because i was bending down to take the actual right. picture so i think uh i i the screen you know i didn't i didn't see anything i just bent down right. went click mm-hmm. and it was only when as it flashed you know that that sort of like two seconds later as the image flashes right. up the image was and i was like and i'm going to my friends look at this fucking hell this is amazing <laughs> yeah and it's like and like i say it it's just luck it's just luck and then of course right. the other image was um a street image and I, I i have you ever seen the the um it's like a cartoon thing called love is so no, be, right so i it might only be a uk thing and uh they, they, they do from like that, post on that from that name it sounds definitely definitely like a uk thing <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but so what it is 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 like it'll be like a poster of my maybe two two bears, and it'll say love is um, holding hands, and it'll have a picture of two bears holding hands and mm-hmm. and stuff like this. Anyway, so I was out shooting, and uh, there's this uh, guy and girl cuddling, and she's cuddling him. She's got her arms around the back of him, but at the back she's still also got her mobile, and she's looking at her mobile. <laughs> So I, I, I yeah, I, I, as I as I see it, I just bang, one right. shot, right? And I put uh, that was in the exhibition as well, and I think it was um, "Love Is Never Letting Go of Your Mobile" or something like that. <laughs> I think that was the title of it because it's just, but but again, it's that decisive moment sure. and thing, and you know, it it's mundane. It, it it it's it's not. It probably happens, you know. 30 or 40 times a day people people will, will cuddle each other but still sly look at their mobile phone right. and I, I just found it you know a, an intimate um 
image like that or an intimate thing that's happening like that, but you still can't put down your mobile phone, you know? So oh, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's the sort of stuff. It's that quirky stuff. I mean, a, another picture that I've got is, I, I like I say, because it's London and there's always something going on, you, you'll see people kissing and cuddling all the time. And, mm. the, you know, I, I got one image of um, this uh, guy and girl kissing, but he's still sort of got his cigarette sort of, you know, by the side of his face. He's probably only just taking it out to have a, sm- a smooch with this girl, you know. And, and it's like, oh, you could have at least put the cigarette down, mate. You know, it's a thing. So that, that that's what I like about street photography, you know. <laughs> Cigarettes are a powerful addiction, brother. <laughs> I possibly, I, I, I don't know. I haven't smoked in over well, 35 years. <laughs> Good for you, man. Good for you, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, George, George, the last thing I want to get to before we wrap this up is uh, we talked a little bit in the pre-show about, like, projects and stuff, and you did have a, a kind of a project you were telling me a little bit about. Uh, you had called it, like, Ghost Signs. Uh, so... Uh, and I just kind of wanted to like, have you talked, what, what do you think about projects is, is, are you project driven and do you have an end game for projects? Just kind of where are you at with that? Yeah, I am project driven. Um, I like to, uh, projects help me to keep, keep shooting stuff. So, you know, that sometimes I, there might be a, I might see something and I think, oh, that'd make a good little project. Like I was saying about, about my local area where there's, you know, a, a lot of, um, closed down shops and that it was just like you know i, uh-huh. I went out t- sort of 10 shots and it's it was just like a a 10 shot little essay of, of, of my mole you know it's closed down or it's closing down and that so yeah i i like to do projects i i also like to you know if i see projects that come up which a lot of time you know are on the negative positive facebook group so last year last year was it the uh 30 uh Twenty-two thirty-eight. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, I was like, you know, that'd be nice. Working with you know twenty-five other photographers. Um, Neil Piper's uh, project box camera. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah. Mm. So you know, it's it's projects within within a scope of uh, of certain people. But I also like to go out and shoot my own stuff. And yeah, like say the ghost signs thing is um, the idea of that is. Back in the day, I, I guess, I don't know, maybe up to the 50s, um, mm-hmm. billboards were, were not billboards. They Basically, they'd, they'd get an artist to paint um, advertising on the side of buildings. Right. But mm-hmm. over the years, these, you know, they've become dilapidated and uh, they don't use it anymore. It's a billboard, you know, it's a, a poster. You see, sometimes you'll see the, the fella up there sticking it up or uh, paper uh, images up or it'll be neon signs so these have sort of started to fade and that's where they get their name ghost signs mm. and I, I i kind of saw some uh in my local area and thought oh, that, that might make a good project I, I, i'll have to um look at it on the internet i thought because it can't be that many mm-hmm. and even in london there's probably something like two and a half thousand of them <laughs> so you got a you got a lifelong project going on with this one. <laughs> it, it could be a lifelong project, yeah, <laughs> right. but it's a thing. So I I, I started uh, going out and shooting these, and um, I've got I don't know probably I think I've got maybe sixty or seventy images at, at, at present. Um, God knows what I'm going to do with them. Uh, you know, <laughs> maybe a zine, maybe not. I don't know. I'm not. Right. It's I kind of I like the idea of a zine, mm-hmm. but then. 
it just you know and it, it, this is not criticizing anyone but it seems as though zines now seem to be you know there seems to be one coming out every week uh, yeah um, yeah it seems and, everybody's doing it and I don't, I don't really know what to do with if i make a zine i don't really know what to do with it after after that like how, how do you like I, I don't know what the next step is okay i got the zine done like I, you know i mean i guess i could try to sell it or give it just give it away or whatever but like i really don't know what what to do once the zine's done right you know that, that's that's a step i don't really understand you know yeah, that that's the thing i mean i, I you know i don't know with this um ghost signs thing i don't know whether anyone else would be interested in them you know it, it, it it's it's something that's piqued my interest because it's something to go out and photograph and i, I find them interesting mm-hmm. um but you know maybe other people just go Phew. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, well I, think the thing, I think the thing is like I, I've had sort of a project and I, I've been kind of bad about it in, in the last year or so, but of like documenting uh, old signs in Louisville because uh, I, I'm, I'm big on that stuff. But like mainly documented. So like because they, these things are disappearing. And so uh, I don't know if I ever make a project out of it, but I think the, the good thing about whether you have an end game of it being a zine or a photo book or whatever you're trying to do. Whether you're having an end game or not, the nice thing about projects is it keeps you focused on something, right? I mean, it, yeah. and it keeps you motivated. So I think that, that you don't have to have an end game, but having a project can keep you motivated to shoot. And sometimes, uh, if you've heard me recently, I've had a lot of problems with motivation on shooting. Uh, but like little projects like that can kind of stir you on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like I say, it's I I like the idea of projects, even if it's only. Uh, um, you know, for a day, like like I said before about about my local mall, I just right. went out one Sunday morning and just had, you know, I just thought, oh, I'll go around there and shoot that. It's you know, clean. and I went out and I, I I shot, like I say, I don't know, maybe twenty frames, and you know, sort of ten of them were were, were good, and I enjoyed them. And you know, it, it, it was like, yeah, I like that. I've not done anything with them other than mm-hmm. post them to to Instagram. Um, and stuff like that but it, it, it it's just it got me out of the house on a sunday morning for a couple of hours i took with some a, images with a, with a bit of a goal yeah yeah so, with yeah, a bit yeah. of a goal um i took some images i like you know so many of them ah it's good i you know i i, I i've had a good couple of hours out walking taking taking pictures so right right you know, it's it's my weekend it's i've done something creative um you know, I'm now, I can now face another five days stuck in, you know, <laughs> right. eight hours stuck in a factory. Right. There you go. There you go. Well, George, it has been, uh, it's been awesome talking with you tonight, man. Uh, this has been a, a really good interview and I, I've, I've really enjoyed it, man. I, I just want to, uh, uh, before we get out like social stuff, I just wanted to give, give you a big thanks for, for getting up with really the butt crack of dawn for you to join me tonight. And uh, uh, for this, for this interview, I, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been great. I, I really enjoyed being on and uh, talking to you, Mike. You know, I mean, but like I say, I've been listening to you since roughly uh, I, just before episode uh, one hundred. Uh, I, again, I will apologize. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no need to apologize. I mean, it, like I say, if it wasn't, it, it, you know, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have started my podcast. And, uh, uh, well, that's you know. a, that's that's a, that's actually the, one of the biggest compliments someone could give uh, could give the show, and I, I appreciate that. But uh, uh, well, George, uh, we I will continue to listen to your episodes, and uh, and obviously everyone check out on the streets podcast, which I'm sure George will tell us about here uh, in the uh, in his social. So, George, where can where can people check you out and your podcast and all that all that good stuff? Yeah, so um, on Instagram, it's at on the streets podcast. Uh, I post 
most of my um, film stuff up there, anything that I'm doing. Um, yeah, that goes up there. I've also got another account, which is called Flaneur with a camera. That's F-L-A-N-E-U-R with a camera. And that's just, again, my, uh, some digital stuff up there. Uh, that's my kind of main account for you know, my, my photographs. The, the On the Streets one is mainly just to do with the podcast and then obviously the podcast can be found on anchor or apple podcasts and stuff like that yeah and that's it really yeah. that's all my socials nice thing about anchor is they kind of distribute distributed uh, distribute the podcast episodes for us so we don't have to deal with all that it kind of goes to all the catchers pretty much so yeah. uh yeah 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 that, that that's the nice thing about it and that that's why i just found it so much easier to use after you'd mentioned it you know a few times uh, in the early days, it, like I say, when I looked at it and thought, yeah, you don't have to do anything. All you have to do is record it and <laughs> right, throw it up great. there. Yeah. So, so, folks, there's no excuse. If you're thinking about doing a film photography podcast, uh, hey, you know, anybody can do it. I, I've been doing it for a long time. And if I can do it, uh, de definitely you all can. So, but uh, all right, George. Well, uh, again, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And I'm going to give you the opportunity, even though this isn't technically a segment that will be the end of the show uh, of whatever the show this comes out on. Uh, I want to give everybody the chance that's been on, on Negative Positives to say the, the magical catchphrase uh, <laughs> and shoot some cool film photos. So uh, I'll go ahead and see if, if you're up to the up to the task. So, again, thanks to George Griffin uh, for joining us from the On the Streets podcast. It's been uh, it's been a real blast. Uh, everybody stay positive and shoot some cool film photos. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it, George. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. Uh, uh, we'll talk soon. OK, thanks, Mike. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers. folks we're back for the final segment and a huge thanks to mr george griffin from the on the streets podcast for uh you know getting up the butt crack of dawn uh to uh, join me for a solo show interview uh what a, what a great i just i really enjoyed that conversation george uh you, you're awesome man you rock and uh definitely check out his podcast and uh yeah huge thanks that was that was a lot of fun uh also okay so i'm going to get uh, one more uh one call-in camera view in uh since i kind of ran out of these things uh, I had two people send me call-ins, uh, one from this gentleman that I'm getting ready to play, and one from Noel Piper, which I'll play on the next solo show, but obviously Noel Piper is just mostly making fun of me, so, uh, uh, but yeah, after, uh, after Neil's on the next solo show, uh, I'm going to be out of call-ins, so, uh, if there's any, uh, any of you guys out there want to talk about anything in your film photography journey, film, cameras, lenses, whatever, it's easy to send in a call-in, uh, just to record audio however you want. Usually the easiest way is on your phone uh, with your voice recording app. Send that audio file on to uh, nagpositives at gmail.com, and I'll put it in the queue to get on the show because we're, we're really low, and you'll get on the show a lot sooner than a lot of people have in the past. So getting low on these things. So, But the next uh, call-in camera review 
is uh, comes from Dean Lastoria, and he's going to talk about the uh, Mamiya Flex C2. Mama Mamiya. So let's see what uh, Dean has to say about that camera. Hi, Negatives Positives Podcast. This is Dean Lastoria, uh, Nagel Gazer, on Instagram with my call-in camera review for the Mamiya Flex C2. Uh, this one has the 135 lens and the prism finder. Now, I think the common wisdom is to go with shorter lenses so you can get in close to people. I think Ted Vieira said, Yeah, man. Hey, man. Put a 20 millimeter lens on your camera. And one of those people from one of the British podcasts, I think, said, Engage the enemy more closely. But it's COVID. And this is the COVID machine. It has a 135 millimeter lens, which is about 80. So you can stay far away from people. Forget two meters. We're talking eight meters away. We're fine. The other thing this camera has is most twin lens reflexes. People come up to you and say, oh, that's a nice camera. My grandfather used to have one like that. Can we talk? No one wants to look at this camera. This camera is not the prettiest camera ever. It's a C2, so it's about as ancient as you're going to get while still looking like an industrial piece of machinery from a bunker. It has no interlocks. The shutter is separate from the little window. Uh, you can do it, but it doesn't matter. Um, it's, it's got a leaf shutter, so there's nothing that can go wrong with this camera that you can't fix you know, on the fly or just ignore. Um, the pictures that I'm getting from it, I love. And it is really light. It's only six pounds. The, the mirror, pr pardon me, the prism on the top adds only an extra two pounds. So if someone wants to get close to you, if you have a long enough uh, string, you can just swing it at them. So this is the perfect COVID machine. And it's making me happy during these times when, well, you know, you don't want to go up to someone with your, with your 20 millimeter lens. Thanks for your podcast. Bye-bye. Well, thank you, Dean Lastoria, for your call and camera view of the Mamma Mamiya, Mamiya Flex C2, and uh, yeah, always uh, great to get these in. Uh, we're getting low on Collins, folks. Just saying, and uh, but thanks, thank you, Dean, for sending that in. Uh, in, in desperate times when we're getting low on these things. <laughs> All right, so I guess we need to get to uh, our coffee donations before as we wrap up the show. We only have uh, one donation uh, that I need to mention, and it comes from uh, Mr. Nigel Cliff. Always huge supporter of the show, and uh, as a couple episodes ago was uh, my solo show interview, and uh, Nigel sends us a little donation through coffee, uh, and he says, uh, I "Thought I'd better contribute to apologize to all those who had to listen to my dronings on the last solo show." <laughs> well, Nigel, I, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, that conversation. I hope everyone else uh, uh, enjoyed that. You even uh, riled up uh, a listener, and, and that caused me to get an email uh, that I read on, the, I think, the last episode uh, about, uh, I don't know, somebody having some issues with your uh, with your digital photography. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's to be expected on an analog podcast, right? So, but uh, I love Nigel. Thank you so much, sir. You are uh, you are you are awesome, and you rock. So, uh, uh, okay, uh, all right. Uh, I am going to get the socials out here, but before I do that. I'm going to mention, uh, we're going to play a listener music track and uh, at the after the socials. And that's going to come from none other than Mr. Uh, Mike Caputo. Everyone knows him. Everyone loves him. Uh, that is Aloha Big Mike on uh, <laughs> on uh, Instagram. Uh, the guy that's running the, you know, the Hawaii Darkroom. He's been on the show. Uh, you know, his uh, he has an album uh, called, uh, what is it, uh, Shanties, I heard. 
I think it's on Bandcamp and uh, Mike Caputo, Shanties I Heard. We're going to hear a track from him called uh, 100 Years Ago uh, after I get the socials out. And folks, uh, again, like this is where I like to play like any, any, any of you guys have, out there that happen to be musicians. I like to put like uh, whatever music you guys make on the end of these solo shows. And I'm getting low on those as well. I've got only a couple, like maybe five left or so. So, uh, hey, don't let me play my music at any of these shows. You guys have heard enough of my stuff. So if any of you guys out there had to be photographers and also musicians, send any original music files my way, and I'll put them in the queue to get them on the end of these solo shows. So, uh, But again, we will hear uh, Mike Caputo from his album Shanties I Heard 100 years ago after this, uh, after these, uh, after to get the socials out here. So, okay, uh, folks, thanks for listening. And uh, you can see my photography on Instagram at Gutterman Photo, on Facebook at Mike Gutterman Photography. You can email this program, send call-ins, send your original music files uh, to negpositives at gmail.com. You can join the Facebook group. It is the Negative Positives Film Photo Podcast Facebook group. And uh, also, that's a good place to send your ghost photos that we have, the ghost photo challenge we have going on. There's, uh, again, an announcement at the top of that page. Uh, where you can submit two photos of creepy photos for the ghost photo challenge. And we got some, uh, some good prizes uh, to give away for the, the big wiener of that. And uh, you hear that, uh, what we talked about on episode 328, uh, about what the, the, the prize package. And we'll, we'll mention it more as it goes on. It runs through, uh, we're going to say November 1st and uh, for that, that particular challenge. Uh, also, let's see. Uh, I'm, uh, this program is on Instagram under the account name Negative Pauses, mostly ran by a friend of the show, Mr. Bryce Randall. If you submit photos to Instagram, think about using the hashtag Negative Positives. Maybe Bryce will see it and highlight it for us all to check out. And you can donate to this program at Coffee. Uh, that helps us, like uh, you know, pay for shipping to prizes to the winners and stuff like that. Uh, we don't really pocket any of that money. It all goes back into the podcast. Uh, it is uh, www ko-fi.com slash negative positives alright well folks have a great week and uh, we'll talk to you uh, the next show will be a round table discussion and so far at this point we have scheduled uh, Mr. Bill Manning from the Studio C41 one hour photo podcast will be joining us for this round table and Miss, uh, Mrs. or Miss Jessica Jones uh, it's kind of a, a, a reunion of uh, when uh, Bill and Jessica were on the show uh, several months ago and uh, so we're gonna have a little round table with those two uh, for episode 330 so look forward to that so uh, okay folks have a great week everybody stay positive shoot some cool film photos is a mighty long time oh yes oh a hundred years was before my prime a hundred years ago we sailed away from Milford Bay oh yes oh and the girls on the wolf said we got your half pay a hundred years ago the bosun shouted to the crew, Oh, yes, ho, I'm going to find you work to do. A hundred years ago, 
nubble off the yard must go. Oh, yes, ho. For Mr. Mates, he told me so a hundred years ago. And then I heard the old man say, Oh, yes, ho. It's one more pull and then belay a hundred years ago. And now we're bound for Bristol Town. Oh, yes, ho. Oh, yes, my lads, we're homeward bound a hundred years ago. And now our ship and gallon crew. Oh, yes, ho. Cliffs of Dover soon appear a hundred years ago. And now we're bound in Bristol Town. Oh, yes, oh. And the girls all dressed in their Sunday gowns a hundred years ago. Gutter Man Cave Production! <laughs> <laughs>